Thank you for joining us on Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist and expert on dealing with addictions, and Carol Zerniel, who is our co-host here and executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. How do you know if you're a caregiver caring for an aging parent when it's time to stop caregiving, when it's time to say enough is enough, I'm out of here? Is it a decision that you can make or is it a decision that the care recipient will drive? And we're going to throw that softball to Dr. Jamie Heisman. That's not so much of a softball. I've been involved in so many clinical situations where that's happened. And it's almost like then you have to do an intervention with that particular person who is about over it, right? They're up to their, their eyeballs and stress and anxiety. And, and it's not necessarily a natural resolution, like somebody's passing or somebody may be moving into a skilled facility or an assisted living. It's literally that sort of place where burnout, where your eyes turn red and the thermometer mercury goes up. And you say, I'm done. And I say, tell you, when that happens, then that's a right. That's a right that an individual has. We're autonomous and we can. However, we also need to understand that the responsibility of when we do stop uh, doesn't mean that the actual responsibility of caregiving stops. It just means that we have to quarterback and bring in and train the, the B team here and allow the, a succession plan there are activities that still need to occur. We have to be responsible enough to know that, yes, we're not doing this anymore, but we do have to plug in an alternative. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting now with the with the COVID is, you know, I used to tell people, you know, you know, you, you know when you can't do it anymore, somewhere inside of you, you get that, that you've hit the wall, that you can't do this go any further. Um, and it used to be, it was pretty, you know, you could at least look at facilities. You could think about placement. And now a, a skilled nursing facility and assisted living is like one of the scariest places you could possibly put a loved one. And so that just adds to the stress of the caregiver trying to make that decision. You're so right. There's no place for them to go almost. Now, maybe as COVID sorts of levels itself off and the vaccine comes in and there's a, what we call a corrective emotional experience for the industry, we may find out that skilled facilities and assisted living may be safer than the general public eventually here. So there'll be a real turnaround. However, you, it's, it's difficult to deal with an adult's emotions when they got to that frantic place, for sure. So what you're saying is, is clear. Not only are you ready to go, but now how do I actually talk and convince the person in front of us that I'm going to bring in a plan B or go? And that's when you really need to access a professional, Carol and Ron. That's when you need to bring in a third party. Yeah, a, a professional. I mean, it, it really is speaking as someone who is a professional that had a mother that needed to be placed with because of her Alzheimer's, um, you need somebody else. You know, your emotions, you're just too involved. Doesn't matter who you are, having that independent, clear-eyed person looking, helping you look at the situation is so helpful. It's sometimes never the message, really. It's really the messenger. I found that out recently with my child because her mom kind of is a little bit um, reactive, I should say. So she tried to teach her how to ride a bike. And um, so now my child's a little snake bit, right? So I get my child now and I'm the one training her and trying to do it with patience. But I feel that both of us as messengers of the message of how to ride your bike may be now tainted. So I now have to go get 
an instructor who's very good with kids who then now can be probably be the better messenger and sit there and I can support his or his designates efforts. So, yeah, we really do need to know. And I guess that's the process and the question you're asking, Ron, here. We have to know who is the next step, who is the, the proper messenger. And when we come to that point of total exacer, you know, we're, we're totally, you know, melting down and our brains are out there and we got to stop. We really have to be very mindful of who we then bring in. This is not the fault of the person with the chronic illness, with our loved one. They too want safety and they do not want to feel more fearful. So we have to be very mindful of the transition. We have the right to do it, but we have to be responsible and mindful of that transition. What is it you need to tell the uh, uh, care recipient, assuming you know, they have the mental capacity to understand uh, what you're talking about. I guess it would be cool to say, hey, I'm burned out. I'm out of here. You know, it's interesting you ask that question. I think it's a great question because as a therapist, I mean, I've seen patients for a long time and realize I've not seen a lot of progress in them. Right. Some of them. And I'll literally come to them one day and I'll say, you know, you really worked really hard. Uh, I think I thought I worked really hard, um, but somehow you know, we haven't gotten to that promised land, that place where we need to get to. I said, how about if we really explore maybe um, somebody else, maybe another therapist that we can actually bring in here that may be able to take you to that promised land. Maybe I'm a lily pad here. And so in that same way, that same explanation to the patient, I think we as caregivers can not instead of being showing our loved one, we can't take it anymore, we're done, or that they're just too much and too taxing, but we can just mutually agree that maybe somebody else can pick up the ball and assist and do better at this time. How's that? Yeah. And I love that idea because it is possible to go away for a weekend with another relative. It is possible, even though there's a lot of paperwork involved to do a short-term stay in a facility that you want to test out. And so there, there are hurdles to jump with any of those, but that, that idea that it's forever or for the rest of someone's life can be so overwhelming, it can put the whole stop on it, the whole process. Absolutely. Now, for those who just joined us, you're listening to Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel, as we bat around an issue that a whole lot of caregivers face, especially if you've been in it for the long term. I remember Nancy Reagan talking about the long goodbye and uh, how long, as you know, Carol, uh, many people with Alzheimer's live a really long time, and that's pretty stressing on their caregivers. Oh, it's very stressing, and that um, you know, you you talked uh, about the difficulty in being the caregiver, but having that that loss and that loss, just watching that person lose little bits of themselves day by day by day, um, it is so difficult. Uh, it's, it doesn't matter how much you can intellectualize it uh, and how much you love the person. It's just hard. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who's been with his father and his father did finally pass. And I'm sure Carol's a much better um, historian on this issue. I had to go through this with my mom years ago, but she was married and my stepfather was wonderful. But he literally had kind of dealt with some of the grief process along the way. Um, it's still the end of innocence when a parent goes, and it's still at that day, you're never really used to it. But I see caregivers who do acknowledge their grief work along the way. And I think as a, if they're seeing a third party, and I really ask all of our listeners to 
go if they can afford it or look at their plan to go to a third party as this process is happening and as your loved one is getting maybe worse and decompensating because you need a place to process it. And I think that's what you need is a safe place to get in touch with this grief work that you're doing now and what's about to happen around the corner. My mother went through a really tough time after my dad died. She'd been the caregiver 24-7, and all of a sudden her life was empty. As much as she would complain privately about the stress and the challenge and how tiring, after he died, she didn't know what to do with herself. You know, that's self-esteem, right? She regained this new self-esteem by being this caregiver and helping your father so much. And and then all of a sudden now her job's done and now the self-esteem is what? If you're building it on external, which you're building on the job, you know, you can get in touch with that codependency and then start working on yourself and doing it from within. But that self-esteem is critical, not just to the caregiver. But again, if you're thinking about saying no, no more, I can't do it. Remember the self-esteem of the person in front of you as well. That's why I like to say, bring in a third party, do this carefully and do it responsibly. Carol, you get the last word. Yeah. And then the last thing, I would just say, you know, if you are at a place where it looks like the rest of your life is this unhappy, horrible place and the the person you're caring for is also you have no hope for them either. It's time to think about it. Is it time to stop being a caregiver? Because if you don't have any hope for either one of you, you know, you need to look raise your head and look around and see if there's a better life for at least one of you. There's no reason for two people to go down the drain. Uh, But just, you know, be curious if the situation can improve. That's a bad place to be. Carol Zernio. Dr. Jamie Heisman, thank you both. This has been Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll catch you next time.